Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome back, everybody. I'm going to get right into it here. Lots to go over. Uh, I got to tell you, this is just continuing to occur, and it's not getting any play whatsoever, certainly not in the mainstream, and they're definitely not going to mention the jab in this particular case, but it is jab-related to say the least. Lincoln College in Illinois is closing its doors after 157 years in existence. This comes from Zero Hedge, and it's titled, Ransomware Attack Drives U.S. College to Close Doors for Good After 157 Years. Now, this is not ransomware attack related. It isn't. It can't be. This is why colleges, universities, K-12 schools, they all have IT departments. They can all handle this. At the very least, you remove the servers, you bring new servers in. They have plans in place for such things. Uh, I'm going to read this story in its entirety because it is jab-related. In fact, the first line in the story says the following, quote, Lincoln College in central Illinois is closing its doors after 157 years. The reason? The one-two punch of the virus pandemic, pandemic and the crippling cyber attack. Again, here's the thing. As soon as I heard this, I thought to myself a number of things. But first of all, I thought, okay, this is jab-related, number one. Number two, again, any kind of a cyber attack that we've heard of thus far, and we have been warned of cyber attacks by even Klaus Schwab himself and countless other individuals, could it be? that in the future that they're going to blame cyber attacks for the closings of countless other schools or businesses or companies or what have you as a result of, in fact, their employees or their students or whoever is associated with these institutions as being, of course, jab victims. And that because of their ill health and their inability to attend, or enroll and enrollment dropping and losing money, they're just going to say, well, we had a cyber attack and we have to close our doors now. When really what they're doing is behind the scenes, they're all panicking. The ones who are still alive and not sick yet are panicking in trying to either paint a particular picture for the public or they're doing whatever they can to make ends meet and again, just sort of sugarcoat things. Don't worry, everybody, we're, we're going to be okay. We just need to take some time out and fix this issue. When in fact, again, it's not cyber-related. It's jab-related. Um, th that is not... That's not outside of the realm of a possibility. It, uh, it is certainly something that I think is happening in this case. I think that it's going to continue to happen. And again, this is a big, big red flag. So this continues. It says, A statement on the college's website read that permanent closure is effective on May 13th. The predominantly black college was named after Abraham Lincoln and opened in 1865. It says Lincoln College, quote, Lincoln College has survived many difficult and challenging times. The economic crisis of 1887, a major campus fire in 1912, the Spanish flu of 1918, the Great Depression, World War II, the 2008 global financial crisis, and more. But this is different. Part of a statement posted on the college's website read, quote, The economic burdens initiated by the pandemic required large investments in technology and campus safety measures, as well as Significant drop in enrollment, uh-oh, with students choosing to postpone college or take a leave of absence, which impacted the institution's financial position, the statement continued. It went on to say that it fell victim to a ransomware attack in December of 2021 that thwarted admission admissions activities and hindered access to all institutional data, creating an unclear picture for fall of 2022 enrollment projections. Bullshit. Bullshit. It then says all, system, all systems required for recruitment, retention, and fundraising efforts were inoperable. Bullshit. If you've existed since 1865, they didn't have computers back then. How did they, how did they enroll people? Heaven forbid you do it on a piece of paper with a pencil. 
If they really wanted to exist and continue to exist, they could. This is, this is, <laughs> it's amazing. This is amazing. This is huge. This is huge. This should be the biggest story in education right now. It should be. Instead, what are we hearing from the likes of Chris Rufo? We're hearing, oh, the FBI's been weaponized against parents, and it's been proven, and uh, the uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland uh, lied under oath. Who gives a shit? Who cares about that? Who cares? Come after me, FBI. I spoke at a board meeting. Come after me. Come and get me. I'm right here. I'm in Oxford, Ohio. Come and get me. What are they going to do? What, what is the FBI going to do? Who cares? This story right here is the biggest thing that's going on right now in education. Because it's happening all over the place. The funny part is, again, they're saying a ransomware attack. Horseshit. I don't believe it for a second. This whole thing stinks. Of course, they did it by their own hand. Let's not, let's not forget that. They did this by their own hand. They spent all their money on the stickers on the floor, stand in the, in, in the safety circle, and you'll be okay, because that's how fake viruses work. If you stand on the sticker, you know, with your feet exactly in the, fo in the footprints on the floor, you'll be 100% safe. Stay six feet away, everybody. Raise everybody's tuition. Increase the cost of living and food. And then, of course, launder all of that federal money. Keep it for yourself and then misspend it on useless garbage that no one needs, you know, like masks and faulty tests and XYZ. I love this. I love it. Because, ladies and gentlemen, if a college like this that's been around as long as they have folds because they have no enrollment, sick and dead people working there, and they can't, you can't, of course, enroll the sick and the dead. You know, they don't make very good students nor professors. So what, what are they left to do? They have to close, of course. They're not the only one. This is happening all over the place. And that right there should, again, be the indicator that if it can happen here, it can happen at K-12 schools. And it is happening at K-12 schools. I'm going to continue reading this. This is absolutely massive. And again, it got no play. I haven't seen this anywhere. Outside of, again, the occasional, uh, you know, just a written story on, on Zero Hedge, but, but that's about it. It says, quote, um, additionally, no, I'm sorry, it says all systems required for recruitment and retention and fundraising efforts were inoperable. I think I already said that. Anyway, continuing. It says, additionally, according to the statement, the college, quote, worked tirelessly to strengthen its financial position through fundraising campaigns, selling assets, consolidating employee positions, and exploring alternatives for the leased building in Normal. Uh, Normal, Illinois? Is that where this is located? I don't know. It continues. It says, unfortunately, these efforts did not create long-term viability for Lincoln College in the face of the pandemic. See, they're blaming the pandemic. No, it was their own stupidity. You can't come here unless you get the jab. That's that's going to be the death nail for all of these people, for all of these institutions, all of them. You had to get jabbed to come here. And then before you know it, I'm telling you what, in the next five years, I can't tell you how many colleges and universities are going to close. It's going to be astounding. If they aren't right now thinking about how to move from brick and mortar to an online environment 100% of the time. Look at, I mean, well, if they're not thinking about that, then they're going to be left without a chair when the music stops. Look what happened with Purdue University. I, I brought this up on the podcast at least a year ago plus, and I certainly have written about it. If I'm not mistaken, uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank here on the college and the university. I want to say it was Kaplan University, if I'm, if I'm not completely uh, out, to, out to lunch on this one. I believe it was Kaplan. Kaplan University was an all-online school. 
Purdue University bought it. Kaplan sold it, and Purdue University bought it. Purdue University immediately got in the online game. And this was years ago. I want to say at least four years ago. They, they got headfirst into the online game. They bought Kaplan University for $1 with the agreement that Kaplan would stay on and, and reap the benefits, like a 10% benefit at least, over the next 10 years. Now, I could, I could be getting that percentage wrong, but it, it was something like that. The point is, is that Purdue University, as a college campus, as a brick-and-mortar school, could close its doors instantly, take the technology that they have, that they simply just rolled over. That's all they did. They just took all of Kaplan's technology, rolled it over into Purdue, and now they have it. If they close their brick-and-mortar campus, or campuses, plural, they could move 100% online and be 100% fine and financially above water and everything would be okay. Because in those environments, you can't use the jab as, as a coercive tool. Well, you have to get the jab in order to turn on your computer. Bullshit. They're not going to do that. I mean, I understand that people want, you know, the, the evil powers that be want the social credit scores and the, the vaccine, uh, vaccine passports and you can't do this or that or banking or, you know, travel here unless you're jabbed and you can prove it. But Financially, they're going to stay above water while all of these other schools that aren't even considering online education are going to fold. It's inevitable. And this, again, this story is, is too big to, to miss. It's too big. It continues. It says, NBC notes, this is the first example of a ransomware attack shutting down an institution of higher learning in the, in the United States. That's because it's fake. There was no ransomware attack. There wasn't one. Unbelievable. It's, it's unbelievable that people are even buying this. Ah, oh, it's just nuts. So it continues. It says cybersecurity firm Emsisoft, if I'm saying that right, said 62 school districts and, and 26 colleges and universities campuses were targeted by ransomware attacks in 2021. It says, quote, ransomware is a multi-million dollar problem for the education sector, but its impact is more than financial. Brett Callow, a threat analyst at Emersoft, said or told CNN. Again, I don't buy this for a minute. It says these attacks have also affected the broader economy. In recent years, cities, towns, and even infrastructure, the Colonial Pipeline 2021, have been subjected to crippling cyber attacks. Nonsense. Nonsense. They take things like this into consideration as institutions. They have entire, my God, they have entire buildings associated with their universities to prevent things like this from happening. They, th their IT departments employ countless people. The bigger the institution, of course, the more servers they have. The more servers they have, the more people they have to hire to maintain those servers. And again, if the servers are gone, so what? You replace them. I know it sounds simple, and it's probably not quite that simple, but you get rid of them. I thought you had all this CARES Act money. What happened to all that cash? Spend it on something useless? Probably. But see, again, <laughs> no, one, no one mismanages money better than universities and K-12 institutions. No one. They're notorious for wasting money. Notorious. Where I live, Miami University, they are in debt hundreds of millions of dollars. Even with the CARES Act cash that they got, and it was a bunch, they're still in debt hundreds of millions of dollars. No one's coming here, and they're still building buildings. They're still making brand new repairs on buildings. It's astounding. They're just wasting it all away. They don't know what's coming. And this right here, with Lincoln College is coming for everybody. It has to. It just has to. You cannot force everybody to get jabbed unless, of course, they have a quote-unquote exemption and expect the institution to survive based on what these jabs 
were intended to really do to people. It's frightening, but these people cannot see it. They just can't. Again, colleges and universities and K-12 schools dove headfirst into the deep end on all of this. The pandemic is here. Times are changing. Nothing will be the same ever again. Put as many needles in my body as possible and I'll be healthy. It's, it's astounding. It's absolutely astounding. Here's another school, uh, school jab-related story, by the way. This was just from the other day in the Epoch Times. COVID-19 vaccine mandate for students delayed by Los Angeles School Board. Interesting. Wonder why that is. Again, they were in the deep end on this one. Now, all of a sudden, they're starting to back off. Hmm. Wonder why. Could it be the fact that people are dropping like flies? It says, quote, the Los Angeles School Board delayed the implementation of a COVID-19 vaccine mandate for students for a second time in 2022. The school board had first announced that it would enforce a vaccine mandate for all Los Angeles uh, students starting in January of 2022, but later delayed enforcement until the state, until the start, rather, of 2022-2023 school year. But the Los Angeles Board of Education on Tuesday unanimously approved a measure that delays the mandate after a proposal from Superintendent Alberto Carvalho, no chance. Uh, according to the Los Angeles Unified School District in a news release, now the vaccine rule will be delayed until at least July 1st of 2023, according to the ordinance. Why even have it then? <laughs> these, these people are insane. They're insane. Why even have it? Well, we're pushing it back a year, and we're, we'll, now we're going to push it back two years, and uh, two years from now, we'll push it back two more. Why even have it then? Why even have one? It's killing people. Is that why you're delaying it? Because you know that it's killing your staff members and students? That has to be the only reason. It has to be. People are quitting. People are leaving. They have voiced their opinions about it. They don't want it. Even, even the schools and the districts that are complete lunatics and, again, went full bore into this whole thing, even they are saying, uh, we, we shouldn't make this mandatory. We shouldn't make things like this mandatory whatsoever. It does continue here, and I'm going to wrap this up, or continue reading this, rather. It says, quote, this was the right move at the right time, perfectly endorsed by science says the superintendent. Uh, he was quoted by the Los Angeles Times. He said that his recommendation was made owing to the vaccine rate among older students while noting that school transmission rates are relatively low. A vaccine mandate for Los Angeles school employees will remain intact. Uh-oh. I bet that doesn't remain intact for very long. It says, quote, the vote shows that we are a science-based school district and the health and safety protocols we adopt are influenced by the expert advice of our medical partners and public health officials. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that line right there is the kiss of death, is it not? Uh, he continued to open his big mouth and he said, quote, We know that students do best when learning in the classroom with their peers. That's not true. It says due to the high vaccination rates among students 12 and older, low transmission rates in our schools and our nation leading safety measures, we have preserved in-person learning with the safest possible environment. Again, the back padding. His hand the handprint bruises on his back must be enormous. It says, in the meantime, district officials said that they plan to give information about COVID-19 vaccines. I bet they don't give them the Pfizer documents. It then says they will also make them available to students. I doubt that seriously. This is, uh, it's getting nauseating now. It says, quote, our schools are some of the safest places for the students we serve. Board President Kelly Gonez said in the release, quote, with our nation-leading safety standards as well as our high rate of vaccinated students over 12, the conditions we find ourselves in have greatly improved. Today's decision demonstrates that as circumstances change and evolve, unquote. It then says, so far, several lawsuits have been filed against the school district's vaccine mandate, although a judge in December denied a request from two parent groups to block the rule. California Governor Gavin Newsom, a Democrat and a Satanist, 
initially announced plans for a statewide vaccine requirement for kids to attend school in October of 2022. However, his office did away with those plans last month, according to reports at the time. Currently, only the Pfizer-BioNTech mRNA vaccine is available to children aged 5 to 15 via an emergency use authorization. Meanwhile, a recent poll found that only 18% of parents of children under the age of 5 would get their child vaccinated right away for COVID-19. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I'm telling you, it's their own undoing. They have no idea. They just have no idea what they're doing. Here's, here's another story. Again, they're, they're popping up all over the place here, but you have to understand, too, that the propaganda is so thick. And I, I know that you know that you're, you're listening to this. Uh, you're smart people. You, you get it. This comes from Breitbart, and it says, Study. Red states were right. Schools that stayed in person didn't lose academic ground. Now, the title itself is hilarious because, again, homeschooling families are laughing their tails off. They're saying, losing academic ground? What do you mean? What does that mean? You see, I've I've brought this up before. It's worth revisiting. The propaganda has been so thick in education. It's tricked everyone into believing that your age has to be associated with a grade level and that learning has to be associated with a grade level and age at the same time. You can't learn about this unless you're in this grade level. You can't learn about this unless you're in this grade level. We can't talk to you about this particular conflict or this particular war or whatever until you're in this grade level. Again, the homeschooling family is laughing throughout this entire time because they're saying, no, we just learn all the time. And it's just called learning. It's not a chore. It's not tedious. It's not upsetting. Uh, Students are interested in it. Humans are interested in learning. And that's what we instill in a homeschooling environment. And they have the choice to learn about a variety of different things that, of course, schools would hinder them from learning. So, again, this is more, I, I, I view this particular story as more of that divisive uh, right-wing, left-wing, red state, blue state, nonsense propaganda division. It's just, it's continuing to perpetuate the lie that public school is the only place where you can learn effectively. Um, I will start this, though, this particular article. It says, quote, a report issued by a team of researchers from institutions including Harvard University uh-oh, found that economic and racial learning gaps in states such as Texas and Florida did not widen due to schools largely maintaining in-person classes during the Chinese coronavirus pandemic. Harvard professor Thomas Kane explains, quote, where schools remained in person, gaps did not widen. Where schools shifted to remote learning, gaps widened sharply. Shifting to remote instruction was like turning a switch on a critical piece of our social infrastructure that we had taken for granted. Well, he's right and he's wrong. He's right and he's wrong on this. Keep in mind, Harvard professor, he has to maintain this house of cards because he's in the house of cards. So he has to say, yes, keep students in K-12 schools and inside of K-12 buildings. Don't go into the online learning environment, which I might add, the online learning environment was so poor among K-12 school teachers and schools and districts all across the nation because they have no training in it whatsoever. Again, the number of people that I've met who are K-12 teachers who actually got their master's degree at a brick-and-mortar university is astounding to me. It's many of them. I mean, they would teach all day long, and then they would go home, and they would get in their car and drive to a brick-and-mortar campus. And I remember a number of years ago, I want to say, good Lord, uh, at least four years ago, maybe even five years ago, I met... I met a woman, I met a teacher who was uh, teaching in a high school, 
and she was talking about finishing up her master's degree in administration, and she was interested in becoming an administrator. And I, and I simply looked at her, again, keeping, keeping in mind that I have a master's and a PhD from an online institution because I, you, you would never catch me dead in a brick-and-mortar uh, class as a student. And I, and I looked at her, and she said, so I come here and I teach, and you know the, the day is hectic, but then I get to go home, and I, I drive to this branch campus, and, uh, and, I, and I sit in class for you know about three hours, three hours a night, almost every single night, and then I go home, and I do this, and I do that, and blah, blah, blah. And, and I remember looking at her, and it, it took every ounce of energy I had to not look at her and say, why, why are you doing that? Do you not know that there are endless online master's degrees in education? Endless. You don't have to leave your house. You can go home at the end of a school day and sit in front of a computer if you want and manage your own time and do the necessary reading and the necessary writing. And you can even do it on the weekends if you want. And, you know, you can manage your time that way. I mean, it, it, it just, it blew me away. She had no idea that this was a thing. Um, again, this house of cards is crumbling to the ground here, and there are people along the way that have to prop it up. They just have to keep it alive. But, again, I don't know how or when this study was conducted, but let me continue to read here and, and see what it says, because this is... Uh, it's just more propaganda, in my opinion. It says, quote, in November 2020, for example, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis announced that schools were required to remain open for in-person learning in the spring as the state continued to battle the coronavirus. Now, of course, what was interesting is in November of 2020, countless schools were closed and they were again doing the online learning thing. So any learning disparity that occurred was an instructional disparity as a result of the fault of the teachers, administrators, and the districts as a whole because they don't know what they're doing in an online environment, which is, again, what I was basically stating earlier. But they actually believed that they, have, that they as instructors or teachers have to sit in front of their computer all day long on a Zoom call teaching their students either one at a time or in a Zoom group or a Skype group or however they were doing it. And that's not how online education works. So, well, I'll say this. There's another nefarious angle to this, and it's that the poor online instruction that these students received when the schools were closed and districts were forced to, to engage in this that that practice right there is going to brainwash endless young students now in not wanting to seek out online education in the future. Because what image do they have in their head? The image of online education that they have in their head is, is you have to sit face-to-face over, well, at a computer while you're Zooming with your professor for an hour a day. Um, that's not how it's done in a real online institution. That's not, that's not the way that online education is really conducted. But again, the image has been tainted here. So that, that could be a very... Um, that, that's going to be interesting, I think, in the future. That, that could be a, I would call it, collateral damage. If it, if it wasn't just a full-blown intentional and somebody had already thought that out and planned that out as being a long-term propaganda piece. Uh, this article continues, and it says, As a result of maintaining in-person classes, schools lost little ground academically, according to the study, which also noted that high-poverty schools in America held many fewer in-person classes and suffered large losses in achievement due to the increase in remote learning. And again, they've got pictures here which is hilarious of what I was just saying. They've got Zoom calls with half a dozen students talking with their teacher, and it's just embarrassing. Again, this isn't how it's done at the university level. And remember all that footage that we saw back in 2020 and 2021 of university professors holding Zoom meetings with their entire classes. It's, it's ludicrous. 
It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, that's not, again, how it's done at the university level, really, in particular within online institutions. It's not how they really do it. It's like none of them thought that they existed. None of, them, none of these colleges and universities that were just winging it this whole time, none of them thought to themselves, you know what, maybe we should get a hold of an online school and see how they do it, and we'll just do it like they do. They didn't do that. Again, this is, how, this is how selfish and stupid these institutions are. They're just like, well, we'll just make it up, and we'll just organize things our own way, and uh, professors will just meet with them over Zoom, and that'll be fine, and we'll just manage. All they had to do was just stay open. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. It says, now, experts are predicting that these results will foreshadow a widening of the racial and economic achievement gap. Oh, okay, we're done. We're done. Because now it's all about race. I got it. As I have said before, the only academic studies that need to be taking place right now are not about learning gaps or disparities in, in academic achievement. That's not, that's not what should be taking place. The studies that should be taking place are actually growing in what I would consider to be a more alternative direction. But it's, it's, it's only alternative to the mainstream propaganda that everybody is hearing and, and listening to. It has to be mask-related. It has to be jab-related. It has to be decision-making-related. I mean, the, the nationwide study that should, that should be conducted right now, if it isn't already being conducted, it should be what decisions did these colleges and universities and K-12 schools make? What decisions were they making regarding all of this nonsense over the last two years? And then, how many of your students are coming back to you now? That's a study. That's a basic, that's a basic number study. We had number study. Well, <laughs> it, could be quant it could be quantitative or qualitative. It almost doesn't even matter. It could be mixed methods. Who cares? The point is, is you're gathering both numbers and the perceptions of individuals based on their own policies and then the number return that they saw. What is it that they saw regarding enrollment in August, September of 2020, and then again in 2021, and then in 2022? This coming fall, how is it going to look? I mean, they can make those projections based on previous analysis, but those are the only studies that need to be taking place right now. How many of your professors and, and uh, staff members and students are falling ill and dying? Because as you've even heard on this podcast, and I've had guests on, uh, I, I remember an excellent guest from Texas. He said this, he said this very thing. He said where he teaches, um, at a college in Texas, I mean, he's receiving emails. He's receiving emails from 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 the departments within the you know within the college where he works, and, and they're saying Professor So and So died, and it was uh, un unforeseen, and uh, our prayers are with him and his family. But I mean, they're losing staff members, and these emails are going out to everybody else saying that people are dying. It's just the sheer wealth of information that could actually be studied that isn't being studied is the real crime here. But remember, everybody's racist and, uh, you know, one distraction after another and whatever else. There's so, there's so much that could be done. But, of course, you would have to get past an IRB board. An institutional review board would have to accept your study. And what's the likelihood? of an institutional review board within a university or a college accepting a study where the basis of it is you're measuring the institution's decision-making process and then the result related to mask wearing, social distancing, jabbing, whatever it may be, and, and the death rate. I mean, there's no way that they would approve that. That's much like what we're seeing in the judicial system throughout our entire country. They don't want to prosecute this. They don't want to prosecute this issue. They don't even want to take it to trial. 
because they don't think that they're going to get 12 jurors to say, yes, masks are illegal and unhealthy and the jabs are killing people. They don't think that they can get that. And based on the percentages of people who have been jabbed, you're going to have jabbed people sit on a, on a jury, on a jury trial. Um, would that not be a conflict of interest? They would have to dismiss those individuals who have been jabbed. <laughs> this is just, it's a rabbit hole so huge, and I just keep going down it. I mean, let's ride this out for a minute here. You have, again, institutional board and, and, and review of, of that kind of research set aside. Take this right back into a courtroom. If it were a murder trial, one of the questions they would ask the jurors, so I think, because again, I like to pretend I'm a lawyer from time to time, but I think that this is how it goes. I've seen law and order before. I mean, come on. That's the extent of my, of my law degree for the most part. But you don't, don't, do you not, for any lawyer out there listening to this or, or uh, law student out there listening to this, do you not have to ask a jury and, and the members of a potential jury before, of course, the trial takes place? If it's a murder trial, whether or not family members or, or friends or loved ones who are sitting on that jury or, again, potential jurors, don't you have to ask them if they know someone who has been murdered or if they are related to somebody who's been murdered or they're, you know, again, close to someone who's been murdered? I mean, in a murder trial, you can only have so many of those people sitting on a, on a jury. If, if you don't want to just eliminate them altogether and not have them sit on a jury and you want the most NPC, regular person, so to speak, sitting on a jury, if it's jab-related, you're going to have at least, what is it, uh, half, a approximately half to two-thirds of the individuals sitting on, on that jury who are jabbed. And if you were releasing this kind of information in a trial, I mean, they would be wetting themselves as a juror. They're not even going to be paying attention to who's on trial because their life is on trial. They're going to be sitting there saying to, my, you know, saying to themselves, what have, I, what have I done? What is going on here? I'm learning all of this now for the first time regarding the jab. And oh, shit, I took the jabs. That's, why, that's one of the major reasons why they don't want to prosecute this. And it's one of, the, one of the major reasons why institutional review boards at the college and university level would never accept such research. They, they, they couldn't. Because, again, they themselves would be the, the victims of that research. They would be the ones that are investigated. There's, there's just no way. This has, this has a dead, no pun intended, this is a dead end, I think, any way that we look at this. It's just a dead end. Here's something else, too. Again, jab-related. Sorry, I'm, I'm going to ride this wave out here. Uh, this comes from truth11.com. It's titled, it's written by Dylan11, if that's his real name. Uh, it, the, the title is this, 226 out of 227 dead are jabbed in one week in Canada. And this was dated May 10th. Uh, it says, quote, Canada's jab numbers aren't looking too good. When comparing the official April 10th report to the April 17th report, we discover some disquieting figures in the death totals. It says unjabbed deaths, 1. One-shot deaths, 5. Two-shot deaths, 63. Three-shot deaths, 160. Put another way, 226 out of 227 weekly deaths were jabbed. That's 99.95% jab deaths, which is ironic because the number is close to the 95% fake projection number the vax makers first claimed. And it's also right around the chance of having a mild or asymptomatic COVID infection. It then says also the numbers are going the wrong way. Look at how the deaths are stacked, increasing along the number of jabbed, of jabs rather. Shouldn't it be going the other way? Unquote. Yeah, it sure should. Again, this is all traceable. It's all trackable. Every hospital and college and workplace. I've been over this too. You've heard me say it. The HR departments, the HR departments of these companies know who's jabbed and they know who isn't. 
They know who went along and who did not. And yes, there's the moral component of trying to get rid of the most moral and keep the most immoral. Keep the individuals who are the most likely to comply. Those are the people we want, we, you know, we want to be here. We want to get rid of the ones that are marching to the beat of their own drum and not towing the line. But this number right here from Canada is astounding. It's absolutely horrific. Now, you probably also heard of this particular story, and I want to read through this one also. I know that I'm, I'm reading a lot of articles here, but I'm both trying to catch up, and at the exact same time, this stuff is just flying out. This information just won't stop. Um, you may recall a while back that when Anthony Fauci was being grilled on a consistent basis, in particular by Rand Paul, that Rand Paul was asking him, or no, I'm sorry, it wasn't Rand Paul who asked this particular question. It was someone else. It was another congressman. Could have been Andy Biggs. Could have been somebody else. Either way, they asked Anthony Fauci about his money. Where are you getting your money? What other payments are you receiving? And Anthony Fauci very proudly stuck his nose up in the air and his chest out, and he said, you don't know what you're talking about. You're wrong. You're a fool. I think he called the guy a moron at one point, um, not knowing his microphone was on. I find it hilarious that they don't even know how to work a microphone, for God's sakes, but, you know, they have no problem uh, being pseudo-experts in, in poison. And so, or experts in poison, frankly. But... uh he, he was just asked about how much money he makes. And again, he, he's the Anthony Fauci, I believe, is the highest paid individual in Washington. He's the highest paid person in government, allegedly. Four hundred and something odd thousand dollars a year. Uh, well, he said, all of my finances are, are out in the public. Everybody knows what I make. You can see my salary on the NIH website, whatever else he said. Turns out he was lying. Shocker. Anthony Fauci was lying. And he was under oath, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, you know, we'll see if that's a, uh, a prosecutable crime. Probably not. But uh, this comes from the Epoch Times, and it's titled, Nonprofit Watchdog Uncovers $350 million in Secret Payments to Fauci, Collins, Others at NIH. This, again, was from May 9th. It says, an estimated $350 million in undisclosed royalties were paid to the National Institute of Health and hundreds of its scientists, including the agency's recently departed director, Dr. Francis Collins, and Dr. Anthony Fauci, according to the nonprofit government watchdog. Quote, we estimate that up to $350 million in royalties from third parties were paid to NIH scientists during the fiscal years between 2010 and 2020. Open the book's CEO, Adam, no way do I get that last name, and Jerzewiski told reporters in a telephone news conference on May 9th the following, quote, uh, We draw that the conclusions because in the first five years there have been $134 million that we have been able to quantify of top-line numbers that flowed from third-party payers, meaning pharmaceutical companies or other payers to NIH scientists. It then says the first five years, from, 20, from 2010 to 2014 constitute 40% of the total, he said. Quote, we know that there are 1,675 scientists that receive payments during that period, at least one payment. In fiscal year of 2014, for instance, $36 million was paid out, and that is on average $21,000 per scientist, he said. It continues and continues and continues. It's a rather long article. I'm not going to finish it up. Um, but there you go. Uh, again, it's on the Epoch Times. I'm sure it's lots of other places. You can check it out wherever you'd like. But yeah, if anybody thought for a moment that, it's just, uh, that anybody in government, frankly, is just making basic salary, that's absurd. Look at Nancy Pelosi's house. Look at uh, Maxine Waters' house. Look at where these people live. It's, it blows me away. They're, they're always getting kickbacks. They're always getting envelopes under the table. Some of that's even been caught on camera, for God's sakes. So, I don't know. Shouldn't, it really shouldn't surprise anybody. But again, he said all of this under oath that he wasn't receiving more money. And it takes Freedom of Information Act requests in order to find this kind of stuff out. But hey, 
we got to use the law to our advantage, I guess. Uh, here's a final post that I want to read. And this comes again from greatawakening.win. I thought it was interesting, sort of a nice little summary. It's horrific, but a, a nice little summary of, of what's going on here and some things to keep in mind, I think. And certainly, again, a, a lot that we cannot ignore. You heard me about a month ago, at least, bring up the, uh, let's see, it's either the World Economic Forum, I believe, or the World Health Organization, it's one of the two, is rolling out their basic global takeover of all health decisions and how the uh, United States Constitution is being overridden, allegedly, by this decision-making board and how, again, when it comes to pandemics and threats and whatever, that uh, they're going to decide what every country has to do regarding health measures. If true, which I believe it is, it's very frightening. And again, summer is here as far as I'm concerned. Leaves are on the trees. That means summer is here. And uh, not only do they need a good riot for distraction, but they're going to need another fake pandemic, to say the least. So keep all that in mind, I think, as, as I read this here. Here's what it says. It says, quote, For anyone who considers this a LARP or just a minor deviation in the norm, even if you are right now, and it's certainly possible, consider the intentions of the Marxist enemies you face. They have repeatedly used famine as a weapon. If these fires are normal, they, it won't be long until Marxists adopt and use this tactic. I would encourage everyone who didn't see it live to look into the South African communist riots of 2021. Communist mobs targeted infrastructure, looting and burning warehouses, burning trucks, attacking water treatment facilities, and they did a lot of damage in just 72 hours. We will see this sooner rather than later. If the political winds shift in our country, they are not going to sit back and let us peacefully take back power, a process that would likely take three decades for us to cement anything more than moderate success. Our government is corrupt to the core. The stolen election was more of a symptom than the problem. The outright blatant corruption seems to have really started showing itself in the early 1990s with Ruby Ridge and Waco. For those public events to unfold, the institutional rot would have started decades sooner. Because of the level of corruption, it would take us minimum 20 to 30 years to clean it up if we're really well organized, if we're successful at educating the majority of Americans to these problems. And in reality, neither of those are true right now. If we are able to both stave off critical destabilization attempts and have the consistent political gains necessary, the enemies within will immediately move to more violent methods. No one is prepared for this because despite history and the truth, most conservative leaders, quote-unquote, will not acknowledge these facts. Instead, virtue signaling about peace. We cannot ignore what I would consider a near certainty and be effective or well-informed, unquote. Two things immediately come to mind for me. Number one, look at all of the Republicans, quote-unquote, or conservatives. They aren't, of course. They're all criminals, every single one of them. Look at, look at all of the money that they just gave Ukraine again, allegedly. And again, consistently ask yourself how many of them are out there talking about the deadly jabs. How many of them are talking about the schools that are closing, the lack of enrollment, the businesses failing? None of them are doing that. They're all just saying, well, it's Biden's fault. It's Biden's fault. These politicians are worthless. Every single one of them. I don't care what little letter is in front or behind their name. It could be an R, an I, a D. It does not matter. It could be A through Z. I could care less. These, these feckless losers are distracting the public and just delaying the inevitable as this individual basically writes. This will not, you know, this, these situations here are not going to get better unless someone is truly hung for their crimes. And it can't be one person. These, these prosecutions, if they exist and if they actually take place, they need to be public. I, I really do believe here that we are running out of time. 
how many more events can either be staged by white hats or black hats or whoever it is in order to wake up people. Some people cannot be awoken from, from their slumber. They just can't. The, the major thing that's going to wake people and shake them to the core is our, our mass arrests. Mass arrests, immediate public trials, and then executions. It's the only way forward. Look at how many losers have been paying attention, no offense, but have been paying attention lockstep to the Johnny Depp Amber Heard fiasco. Who cares? The only part of that I watched and found uh, the only part that, that I watched was when the psychologist got on the stand and was talking about the psychological evaluation that she did of Amber Heard. It was fascinating. That part was fascinating, and I only watched, I think it was less than 30 minutes of it. And she was talking about histrionic personality disorder and a number of other things. I mean, that was sort of my old field, and and those were things that I I used to bring up when I was a school teacher and and I taught. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's it. Other than that, too many people are distracted by too many things. But but the one thing that you cannot hide is an, is an arrest, a big arrest, or multiple arrests. How, how many more documents have to come out about Anthony Fauci before he's arrested for endless crimes? I mean, you, you can go all the way back to the HIV days and the uh, AZT days of, of him killing people off with AZT. You can go back there if you want. But there are more serious issues here at play. And again, these politicians are feckless, and they are distracting countless individuals. They're, they're hung up about Merrick Garland weaponizing the FBI against parents who attend school board meetings, for God's sakes. There's a vaccine genocide taking place. I don't see them talking about that. In fact, here's the last thing I wanted to mention, and I put this audio on my last war video um, in, the, in the video slash news portion of, of those videos. Of course, the first half are memes, and then the second half is usually video clips. There's about an eight-minute long clip, if I'm not mistaken. I believe I put it there. I certainly put it on my Gab account, and I highly recommend that you watch this. It was an individual who was running for local office in the Dallas area of Texas. And what he's describing is awful and horrific and remarkably corrupt. And it's more proof that, again, if you think that red states are in the clear and uh, conservative politicians have your, have your best interests in mind, I assure you they do not. This individual brings up what is going on with community colleges in the Dallas area. And what he describes is that they are all being corporatized that the public land that they are on, that the public pays for, is being bought along with the colleges themselves for the same reasons I've brought up here in this podcast, in this particular episode as well. It's all financial ruin. They're all being ruined. So they're being outsourced now and bought and sold to corporations. These corporations are then bringing in other corporations restaurants, shops, you name it. And they're turning these, attempting to anyway, turn these community colleges into what we, what we perceive to be sort of outside mall areas. And, and you've probably seen these areas. They exist. You know, there's a movie theater over here. There's outdoor dining over here. There's sidewalks and lampposts and places to eat and an ice cream shop over here and a bar over there and whatever else. That's what they're attempting to do with these, college, with these community college campuses because they're struggling financially to stay afloat. But ladies and gentlemen, this is so, this is so nefarious that when you have a corporate takeover of anything, what happens to it? You have corporate influence, and that influence is always bad. Because then you're talking again about new quote-unquote fake pandemics coming down the line. And then that same control strangles 
the entire community college and that entire property and that area. And because it's public property, who pays for it? The public. It then becomes the public's problem. It then becomes something that the public pays for out of their own tax dollars, property taxes, what have you. And then, as I've said in the past, what ends up happening is something shows up on a levy, and then before you know it, you're paying for it two or three times over. Uh, that's not good. Corporate ownership of community colleges in an entire city area or an entire county would be an absolute nightmare. If they're going to fold, let them fold. Again, online learning and independent online learning is free from all of the, it's not financially free, but it's free from all of the corporate distractions that exist. And if you learn how to navigate your way through the internet, the learning never stops. The investigations that you will conduct as an individual will never stop. It was an absolute blessing that I chose to obtain two degrees and earn two degrees. You earn them, by the way. I mean, you have to do the work, and it's a ton of work, but it's worth it. And the learning, again, is not limited to just what goes on with it within that institution. If you have the time and the energy, you will learn the realities about the world we live in, and it will take you in endless directions. But a corporate takeover of community colleges in the Dallas area of Texas is a nightmare. And again, they're going to do that to try to lure in students. But who are they luring in? They're luring in the jabbed. And how long do they have? We don't know. That we don't know. So go check that audio clip out. Again, it's on my Gab account. Um, it's to a, uh, it takes you right to a cat box file. And then the same is on, I believe, I, I, again, I think I put it on the end of the war videos, if I'm not mistaken. Although I could be, but I'm, I can't recall right now. Uh, there you go. Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, what I'm going to be doing here in the next few hours is I'm going to be participating, or not participating, maybe just listening. I'll probably just listen uh, to a Michigan, I would call it a, it's, it's certainly a rallying for Michigan politicians, is, is how I'll put it. Um, the, well, I have the exact flyer right here, actually. Let me bring it up and read it to you. It's the Michigan Liberty Leaders presents Blowing the Lid Off, Michigan Education. It says, what in the world is going on in our schools? And it's taking place Thursday evening, and I have registered. It was a $20 registration. Here are the topics that are going to be covered, and ask yourself what's missing from this. Again, you know my podcast. You know me. You know where I stand on things. But uh, again, they sort of even had to vet me to make sure that I wasn't a raging liberal lunatic. But listen to the topics that are being covered again, and listen to what isn't listed here. It says data trends in education, data resources, inappropriate books and libraries, biased curriculum, CRT, DEI, SEL in our schools, Castle framework, influences on education, sex education standards, gender ID policies in schools, Title IX, laws, guidance, legal precedent, uh, mental health programs in schools, and consent for treatment. This is, this is going to be interesting. The only topic that isn't mentioned is the jabs, but the consent for treatment window is where it could be brought up, although it could theoretically be brought up in all of these. Um, I'm going to be listening to see if they bring that up, and I will come back to you on Monday with a full report, hopefully, as to what was discussed and what was not discussed. But I mentioned to them that I had a podcast. I mentioned to them who I was. I told them, uh, I, I assure you, I'm not a raging lunatic, and um, yeah, they let me in. But again, I'm not, I'm not someone who is a candidate. I'm not running for an elected office. I'm not a campaign manager, but um, I give a damn, and we'll see, we'll see what they say, and we'll see what they allow to be said, perhaps. Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, have a great weekend, and I'll catch you on Monday. Take care. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.